Welcome to the first episode of the official Sydney Swans podcast, Conversations with Cal. Throughout the podcast, I hope to give you a better understanding of the people from around the club, both players and staff. We will explore their football journey and what it is that makes them tick both on and off the field. First, I sat down with someone who has had a big off-season being named of one of three new co-captains for the 2019 season. After being knocked back numerous times early in his football journey, today's guest has gone on to become an All-Australian and one of the elite defenders of the modern game. Dane has a great story to tell of persistence and resilience, but also shares with us some of his interesting off-season travel adventures. I hope you enjoy the chat with Dane Rampey. All right, Dane Rampey, episode one uh, of the podcast, mate. Um, mate, first of all, it's going to be a congratulations here, mate. Is the got two of them actually? One, congrats on being the first guest of the podcast. Was it something you strived for? <laughs> 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 no, thanks, mate. It's it's, it's uh, very good to be here, and I'm uh, I'm excited for this new journey of yours, and um, hopefully, I can um, kick it off in the right direction. Well, mate, that's why we got you on. We actually had a good chat to the um, to the media side and media department of the club, and having a chat to them about who we can get on. And I reckon you are one of my first choices, mate. You're a very unique individual, but um, so I'm excited to see where this can go as well. But secondly, the congratulations, mate, is well done on being uh, one of the three one of the three guys to be named captain of the Sydney Swans Footy Club, mate. I reckon it's an um, an unreal. Um, an unreal, what will I say? An unreal achievement, mate, for you. I think it's unreal. Thanks, mate. Um, it's a, it was a pretty big honour, or it still is, and um, something I'm incredibly uh, humbled by, but um, also really excited um, to not only help, I guess, protect what we've got at this club, but also, I guess, keep driving it and hopefully um, continue it on in an upwards trend, I guess. Yeah, I think so, mate. And... I kind of want to tap into this captaincy um, for a little bit, but I just want to know, kind of, for everyone out there, mate, how did you first find out? And, you know, what was your reaction? Who did you call? Um, first person you spoke to? Mate, um, so it, it happened towards the end of, uh, I guess, the, the 2018, um, year, the year 2018. So the, the start of pre season, obviously, we come back for that few weeks before Christmas, and um, I think it was the second last day, horse told me he wanted to see me in his office just as we were leaving the track and um you know usually you walk past Oz's office and it's uh you know you, you go in there and it's kind of an organic conversation but so I was a little bit worried about you know what he was calling me up for and um uh when I got up there he'd obviously spoken about the um I guess the leadership structure and um we just had a quick chat about that and I guess the way uh, looking forward, what, what the club's what the club thinks is probably in its best interest, and um, he, he floated the idea by me, and I was kind of um, he said, "How would you how would you feel about uh, leading this club for the 2019 season?" And um, yeah, I was I was probably originally pretty shocked because it wasn't something I'd really expected, but um, I was. Well, that was my next question. Like, actually, you know, was it something you expected or? Was it something that you actually strive for? Um, no, look, it wasn't something I'd ever expected or, or strive for. I think, I think um, the natural development of my game and probably it probably started my leadership journey. I guess was um, at the end of 2015 when blokes like uh, Adam Goods and um, Reece Shaw, 
Mike Pike retired yep, and sure. le- probably left, you know, I think it was about a thousand games experience from, from memory and um, a pretty big leadership vacuum. And I just remember off the back of the 2014 grand final loss and then a, a, a straight, sets exit, straight sets exit at the end of 2015. It was just more, I guess, identifying an opportunity for this group and I guess that next generation of, of leaders coming through. Um, the obvious candidates were Luke Parker and, and Dan Hatterby at the time, but I just thought that, um, you know, if I want to get back to, um, I guess, that, that, that big stage on the last day of September, um, you've got to really take ownership of this group and... Um, and, and do a bit more than and go outside, I guess, um, of just worrying about yourself and your own role. And um, the thought kind of started there. And, and from there, it's really been something that I've enjoyed and something that I've actually got a great deal of um, value and, um, I guess, satisfaction from is not only bettering myself in that area, but but hopefully um, bettering those of the teammates around me. So um, to say that... Uh, as for the captaincy, expecting or striving for it, I wouldn't say it was the title per se, but it was definitely um, it was definitely in the back of my mind to um, to keep driving this group and 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 striving towards towards success, which I think um, the captaincy has been a byproduct of. Mm. I just want to touch base on a quick point you made about not worrying about yourself. Like I've played with you for a number of years now, and one of the things that I really do admire about you is that you're your genuine care around the group. Um, as you know, right now, mate, we've got actually a really young side, um, or squad, I should say. We think we've got, you know, seven new draftees and, and three guys from other clubs. Um, maybe you could talk to us a little bit about, you know, why you, you value, you put so much value and importance on kind of strengthening relationships all throughout the club. Yeah, so um, I guess the way, I, the way, I guess my leadership style, I guess, and the way I see building relationships is a really important part of it is I, I look I don't know if it's right or wrong but I feel like this new generation is a little bit uh, is a lot different to what probably happened in um, probably the early early 2000s and was transitioning I guess when, when I got to the club was kind of that old school hard-assed approach um, and I think my yeah as I said my theory would be just to develop a stronger relationships and um, I guess bonds with people off the field and get to know them on a personal level, so that when it comes time in a game or you know during the during the season to actually challenge them and, and really um, I guess maybe tell them something they don't want to hear or something they feel is uncomfortable that they know that it comes from a, a place of genuine care and it's not me just having a go at them. Yep. And I feel like that's what well in the feedback I've I've been uh, I've received I guess from from those guys has been that's exactly been it. So. Um, that's where it's at at the moment. Um, am I going to get it right all the time? Probably not, but um, I think that I think I rest well knowing that um, they know that I've got their best interests at heart. So on that, you know, you're not going to get it right all the time. What are your challenges for you, mate, going into this new role? I've got one. <laughs> What's that? Wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably a fair thing. I think I've got sandals on today, so or thongs. First. And they smell, as you did say before, so. Um, no, nah, mate, I guess challenges for me would be, um, you know, it's probably something I've thought over the last, probably over the Christmas break um, in, in that few weeks we had off. And it was, it was more just around, I guess, preserving, preserving the culture we already have at the club and, and I guess, uh, preserving the standards and protecting what we've stood for in the past and then 
being able to not put our own spin on things, but just um, create a new and exciting environment in which boys and I guess the newer generation can thrive because as I feel like as times change, um, the play is going to change as well. And I think mm. just adapting to that um, would be probably the first thing that comes to mind. But then probably from a personal point of view, um, is just ma- it's just managing that balance between um, thinking about thinking about the team and and worrying about stuff that's kind of outside my control and um, and whether that affects my um, I guess my input or impact on game day and not letting my performance deteriorate at the expense of trying to do something that's I guess out of my control or worrying about other players. Brilliant, mate. Um, look. I'll- when I think of you, mate, I actually find your story pretty fascinating, mate, like your overall football journey. And um, believe it or not, mate, a few days ago, I've done some pretty pretty heavy research into Wikipedia um, about you. And obviously, you know, I've, I've had you in my targets for the podcast for a while, so I've been behind the scenes asking you some pretty close questions. But, mate, you're growing up in New South Wales, as we all know that up here, traditionally, it is a, a rugby town, mate. How did you fall in love with uh, with AFL? Um, yeah, it was a, it was an, it's an interesting one because um, ever since ever since it was probably um, I think it was about around nine or ten. I think it was the uh, nineteen ninety nine. Um, if memory serves me correctly, and my That's dad brought kangaroos me, premiership year. Yeah, my dad brought me to uh, TSCG, and was, from memory, it was one of my first games. Then it was actually the game that. Uh, Tony Lockett kicked his 1300th goal and um, I remember running out on the ground um, and just um, I guess lapping up the uh, excitement of being on the oval and um, and um, just the excitement that was that was AFL in Sydney at that time and from that age I I think subconsciously I'd always wanted to I decided I'd wanted to be an AFL player um, which was which is quite naive in the fact that I didn't play AFL or nor did I I guess um, continuously for for a number of years but the the dream was always to play AFL for the Sydney Swans um, and it wasn't until I guess um, the first year of uh, high school that I'd, I'd really probably experienced it um, in playing in a proper team environment mm. um, as a way of I guess uh, Keeping in touch with all my primary school mates because, as you know, everyone yeah. everyone goes everyone goes off in their di- different directions and to different high schools. So we started out as um, as just a couple of mates um, playing AFL down at East Sydney Bulldogs, and that was our way of staying in touch. But then from there, I guess it just grew into um, a real a real passion and um, something I really enjoyed. Um, and and yeah, that that that's what started my love of the game. Yeah, I can certainly relate to that, mate. And I reckon a lot of the boys can. I, I, I still remember how good it was, mate, running out on the uh, on the MCG um, when that second siren went. And it's a it's an unusual feeling. It actually, I, I do remember how it did, it did spark um, my interest, and I'm sure a lot of the other uh, boys' interest in, in becoming a professional player. But and what about any influential coaches or people that have that have helped you get to where you are? Um, oh, there's been there's been a number of influential people on the way. I think, I guess, not so much a coach, but and um, not so much a coach, obviously. But my my old man was an incredible mentor and someone that um, you know I lot I owe a lot of success to. Just um, his 
his drive and um, I guess unwavering um, belief in me is what got it was is what's got me to where I am today. I have no doubt in that. Um, he would um, he'd almost put the thought in my mind before I'd ever consider it, and not even. Um, uh, that's, that's in relation to you know even getting a spot on the list as opposed to you know becoming a, a leader, not necessarily a captain, but having an influential leadership role. Um, so you say he's instilled a bit of a fair bit of self belief. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So he's been instrumental, and then probably a coach from junior years was uh, a, a bloke named David Watt, who now lives in Adelaide. Who's um, it was quite similar. He um, he was like a, a second father at the time in in terms of his um, support and belief in me and. Which is which is exactly what I needed at the time because um, I was a little bit unsure and um, I, I guess um, I guess naive in the way um, AFL worked. Being from New South Wales and Sydney, um, I thought it was as simple as um, you know playing well in the under seventeens, under eighteens, and then you know just getting drafted. Because it is different to Melbourne, though, eh? It's, like, abs- oh, it's, it's like Melbourne. You just growing up in Melbourne like I did. Yeah. You're just bombarded with it, and the pathways basically just presented to you. Um, you know what you have to do, but yeah, I can I could fully understand living in New South Wales. You'd be, yeah, like you said, naive. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, you know, I, I notice it in um, you know, you notice it in school visits that you do now as a professional, and you know, going visit going to visit local clubs. The the difference in skills between um, Victorian states and the and and New South Wales up here, it's um unbelievable although it is it is getting a bit closer slowly but surely but um i think it's just that and then um just the sheer competitiveness of it down in uh melbourne was something that i was um blown away by when i eventually did move down to melbourne to pursue the pursue the dream so you're 18 you finished school so who, who was your club that you or the the highest rep team you played for when you were 18 who were they so i played for unsw you went for unsw when yep. you finished school no, that was during as I finished school, so as seventeen yep. under seventeen is eighteens, yep. and and then you decided to take your footy to Melbourne, yeah, and you selected the Williamstown in the VFL, yeah. How come? Well, um, so again, being being I've used this word a few times, but being a little bit naive to the whole process was um, just about how hard it would be and how how ruthless the industry is getting i guess onto a list is almost probably the hardest thing to do were you close to getting on a list before you moved to williamstown no no way near no way near um my my motive behind moving down to victoria was um was were two things was that the first one being that um i never played for the new south wales rams which is traditionally the the pathway you take to get drafted is play state league and then from there you get will hopefully recruited or go to draft camp and go from there but not having an opportunity because of of my school i went to newington which is a private school and a prerequisite is that you you know do both summer and winter sports so at the time the uh the rams didn't like that i couldn't commit to training during the week um and we're only be able to play a number of games so it was a little bit in in spite that i went down more wanting to prove them wrong or me feeling that i hadn't had a genuine shot because I felt like my my standard of playing up here, while it is a um, you know the standard isn't as good, I felt like this, uh, what I was showing was was um, was up to it. Um, 
we've certainly showed them. So. But it wasn't. <laughs> but in but in fairness to them, the yeah. ones that uh you know that that didn't didn't give me a look, and I wasn't ready for it at the time, and. Um, you know, it's ended up being the best thing that's ever happened to me was getting continual uh, knockbacks and um, really being made to earn, I guess, my stripes and, and learn quite a bit about myself. Well, Michael Jordan had a similar story, mate. So um, you're obviously... You're comparing me to Michael Jordan? Um, not quite, but, um, but we'll get there. But So, mate, just touching on Williamstown again, coached by Peter German. Um, I, know, <laughs> I know Peter as well, so... Um, but do you actually remember you and me playing on each other? Because uh, I do. I've asked this before and you don't. No, I have no recollection. I've done my research um, and the research is in my memory. Yeah. But um, you took a mark on me. I then tackled you. <laughs> and then about a minute later, I went for a mark and then you spoiled me. And um, and yeah, so... That sums us like, up. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute battlers, aren't we? <laughs> Easy, mate. Um all right, mate. We're well, living in Melbourne. You're playing for the Williamstown and the VFL. Um, it's not full time down there, so you've got to occupy yourself somehow. Um, what are you doing with yourself? I had a, I had a number of interesting jobs uh, down in um, down in Melbourne. I, I really threw myself into the deep end once I moved down. I mean, um, I was kind of going down, not ex- not ex- not really knowing what to expect, but the level of, I guess, professionalism and, and stuff that was even shown at VFL level there was just a real shock to the system. Um, and I quickly learned that, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not only going to have to um, just train really hard, I'm going to have to rely on, you know, on my diet, on, on doing extras on, you know, at that stage, you know, a g- gym membership that I'd, which I'd all have to fund for myself and having no funds, I'd had to find jobs. So, um, this is what I want to get to. Yeah. <laughs> what were you doing? So my first job, I was um, driving around in the, in the St. Vincent's truck and helping one of the uh, drivers that had been there for about 35 years um, emptying the donation bins, the blue it, donations bins that you find all around Victoria. Is that the start of your your attire and, and, <laughs> and fashion style? <laughs> what, out I, I think we've just covered something um, pretty important there to, um, to you as a person. Is that honestly how it started? <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't know how that started. Um, right, but you'd you'd be genuinely shocked at some of the stuff that people throw in those bins. We've pulled out dead cats. You've pulled out <laughs> bags of fecal matter. What? Um, what? Yep. What's that? <laughs> Feces. Oh right. right. Shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, people throw in jigsaw puzzles that are that just. Um, they just the pieces go everywhere, and you're you're on your knee, you're on your hands and knees under this bin, you know, picking up every little piece with your <laughs> with your fingers. Um, well, it sounds like you're a long way from Bondi, mate. Yeah, yeah so. a long way from Bondi, and, and, and a long way from where I am now. So, but um, in saying that, I, re- I actually really did enjoy the exper- uh, enjoy the experience because you have a lot, you do have a lot of thinking time and and reflecting time when you when you're in the car driving. You know, hours a day, and and not not necessarily with someone that you that you get on with or that you have any interest in talking to. Right. Um. So you know, I learned a lot about myself probably those that uh, next year, uh, and the second one as well that I um that I'd continued to do. Um. But it was um it was all worth it in the end because um you know I I was put able to put my myself in a position that I could. I guess sustain the uh, the lifestyle and the and the training the training style that I wanted to and that mm. I'd um, I guess identified as being uh, my way of 
of making it. Now, Williamstown Footy Club, linked to the Western Bulldogs. Any interest there? Because we've spoken about this before, and I reckon you, th- I reckon you were pretty close. Yep. No, and, no, and, I, I was and they close. were close to picking you. Yeah, they. I was. Yeah. Um, so at the at the, the first year I went down there was, um, was a real development year, and I played every every game in the in the reserves for Williamstown. Um, but at the end of that year, I got invited uh, by the Bulldogs to do some private testing, obviously being the affiliate, and um, and then from there. Uh, uh, invited to train uh, for the preseason, just just up until the rookie draft. So um, that was real. That was really exciting for me, and something that you know I really uh, enjoyed. And it was almost um, almost justified my decision to move down there. So you know, from from that end, everything was um, was hunky dory. But it wasn't until um, you know, it wasn't until. Um, well, rookie day when they 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 rang me up in the morning and said, "Mate, we're uh, we're not sure what we're going to do with you. You've trained well, but um, at that stage, there's another bloke from Williamstown by the name of Paddy Rose, who was um, who'd I'll also play, put his best foot forward. I played with Paddy, you Paul did. Melbourne, yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, they they pretty much said it's going to be out of out of you two. So um, there I was in my car. Um, I think I was listening on SEN um, as you did down then. Uh, down there in Victoria and just waited to hear the names read out for the rookie draft and it got to the last pick for the Bulldogs and um, and that's when I heard Paddy Rose's name and um, yeah, so that was the first, I guess, I think that was the closest I got to being rookied by the Bulldogs. Um, um, and yeah, I, I didn't really know how to take that at the time. Obviously, obviously hugely disappointed. Um, drove home pretty much that day back up to um, back up to Sydney mm. um, and just gave myself some time off and just some time to reflect and um, I guess I guess nut out what I was going to do next because that's pretty of an interesting decision you made so you've missed out on the draft and then you've pretty quickly decided to to move back to Sydney like was that a calculated decision like I'm, I'm just trying to get into your headspace a little bit like are you, are you thinking that Oh look, it's over. Or you just thought, you know, maybe I'll try again in in Sydney, or I'm just going to enjoy my footy, or or you know, completely do something different. Like what? Yeah. yeah. What's so, your mindset after that's that? That's a good question. So the the mindset was, um, um, look, back in those days, I think the year before Michael Barlow got drafted from Werribee, and he yeah. was, and there was all that talk about. Very rarely did did players get picked up as mature age recruits, yeah. and I think. On the back of that, on the back of his successful year, they kind of opened their eyes, I guess, to to the thought of drafting more state league players. Mate, and I agree with you. He really did. Like I, I remember living in WA at the time and seeing him him dominate the AFL. Yeah, I reckon it really helped a lot of blokes out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But um, at at that stage, I think there were still a lot of people that were that weren't quite sure of it. So. While they did draft Paddy Rose and maybe I think there were two or three others from a couple of state leads clubs, it wasn't really a thing. Um, and it was almost like the older you got, the more your age works worked against you. And that was, when I say your age, it's being past 18, past that draft mm-hmm. year. So my initial thoughts was uh, I've just blown my one and only shot. You know, those, these opportunities don't come, very, don't come up very often. And um, it was, yeah, it was absolute... <laughs> 
yeah, I was de- I was devastated. Um, and it was more just because of I knew how competitive it was, and I knew that you know, as I said, rarely do players past that past that eighteen age get get a look in. And mm. uh, I've been really close, but um, it's going to be another year. Um, so you decided to. Well, up. so over the break when I yeah. came back, you know, I had some time over Christmas and, um, you know, I, I guess the thing again was just to, um, I had to decide whether I wanted to do go through it again and, um, you know, was, was I a chance? And I thought, you know, I came to the conclusion that I, you know, that I felt I had more to give. I hadn't played senior footy yet at, at Williamstown and um, uh, Chris Maple, the development coach there, um had assured me that you know I was doing all the right things and that um, that you know put in another year like I had this year and you'd be every chance. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's always a lot easier said than done. And I guess um, when I made the decision to go back, I was I guess I was a lot hungrier, a lot more driven, and um, I guess I guess hell bent on on proving them wrong but also justifying my decision to you know i guess spend my first two years out of school you know in out of out of my comfort zone out of my support network and um you know really going for it again so you've just touched on you've had some reflection time over the chrissy break um and you've made the decision to come back down to melbourne to give it another go could you maybe just discuss a little bit about that kind of decision yeah, well, it was um, it was a it was, look. It was it was a pretty e- it was an easy one, but um, but it wasn't. And I'll, I'll try and go into that. Is that footy footy had become <laughs> footy had become my life and everything. Um, I was absolutely hell bent on getting drafted. I felt like you know I was I'm a very proud person, and um, I felt like um, again I felt like I haven't I. I had more to give, and I still believe that my best was good enough. Um, so again, I don't know whether it was uh, well. It's turned out all right, but at the time, it, it felt like a bit of blind faith that I just felt like I needed to give it another year. Um, so I decided to head back down, and um, you know, it was going to be as simple as as just do the same thing I did this year, but this time in the in the seniors, which I hadn't had that opportunity mm-hmm. last year. But again, I was I was confident that when I, I I got given the opportunity. I'd be able to step up and have an impact. And as it turned out, um, that was no way near the case. I ended up, you know, playing the first, I think, the first half of the year in the in the reserves. And by this stage, I guess I'd really become burdened by the um, by the the task I'd set myself, and um, just this this absolute dream of of playing AFL. Um, and it became, it became just a, as I said, a massive, as a massive burden. It, it affected the way um, I prepared. Um, I guess it, it affected my my outlook on things um, in terms of I, I didn't enjoy, I didn't enjoy playing footy as much. I felt it it became a little bit of a chore. Um, and plus you know, living away from home, plus family, living friends, away from home, yeah. and I think that that was the big one. Is um, um, I'd um, I'd move out of, you know, I was away from my support network. Um, I was, I was working, you know, I was working a job I didn't really enjoy at the time. Looking yeah. back, it was pretty funny. Um, and I was, 
not getting it, I was not getting to where I wanted to to be on the footy field, and um, that that um, that took its toll. And um, you know, halfway halfway through that season, I um, I got a couple of soft tissue injuries, um, something I'd never experienced before, and um, and yeah, I kind of just almost I wouldn't say wasted a year, but almost just kind of spent the year wondering you know what the hell's going on and you know this isn't uh this isn't the way i'd planned it so you know everything up until then had kind of apart from not getting drafted had gone had gone to plan in terms of my performance and that had never Mm. been a that never been a worry for me so you know i I faced the challenges of dealing with form and and injuries and i guess first time questioning you know was all this really worth it is it possible And, and all the while you know that that question hanging over your head is you know are they are they open to drafty, mature-age recruits? Do you think you were good enough that entire time, at the time? Oh, look, there were definitely there were definitely um, moments where you'd question it, but I think at the end of the day, what has allowed me to, I guess, get there in the end was that yeah, there, there was a genuine belief, and it was for people. It was from people like my dad and and uh, David Watt, one of my old coaches, um, who had instilled that belief and um, just kept on it. And, um, you know, almost it was almost um, it was almost reckless from their end believing that, but um, they did and they instilled it in me and that's what kept me going. So, so mate, you've missed... Unfortunately, at that time in your life, you missed out in a few drafts, you're devastated and you've decided to move back to Sydney and you're going to put the boots on for UNSW. Now I've spoken with you about this in the past, and I wouldn't say I wouldn't say you gave up, but I'd say you probably approached that year a bit more relaxed. You wanted to enjoy your footy, and just like a bit of an attitude of, "I'll I'll work my guts out, but if it happens, it happens." Is that kind of that would that be a fair assessment? Or oh uh, well, by that's yeah, by that stage, I'd 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 given up on the AFL, not. It's a hard one because I knew that there's always, I guess, there's always in the back. You're probably of my mind. seeing a lot of guys get drafted around you that you've played with and played against. Absolutely, yeah. and and that was that happened from under 18 level when they had the yeah. New South Wales Academy. The uh, so there's the a bit of hope still there in the back of your mind. There's yeah. some hope still there in the back of the mind, and you know, um, but for my end, footy was, um, you know, I was I was over it. I didn't enjoy it anymore. It had become a, a burden. Um, um, yeah, I didn't enjoy the. I'd become a person I wasn't happy with in terms of just becoming too obsessed with it, which is something that I'd never thought I'd be in that position. I was never that person, but for some reason I'd become, um, I guess, infatuated by um, becoming becoming an AFL player. Well, I didn't know this about you until I actually did some research. But you were a—is it the Feelin medalist that year? Yes. So, oh, the, so yeah, is that? That's the equivalent to the the Brownlow Medal of the, of the, of the, of the Sydney, Sydney League. League. Yeah. So, or well, I came back. I came back and just decided that I, I, I wasn't originally going to play. Um, I was, as I said, I was I was sick of it. I was over it. But you know, a couple of my mates from from the club UNSW that I used to play with approached me and just said, "Come down for a training run," you know, and um, and so I did, and really enjoyed it. And it wasn't anything like I'd expected. Um, there was a um, and I was, I was playing and training with faces that I'd grown up playing with, um, and it was it was to be honest, it was just social. It was just social football, and you know, it, it's um, 
uh, something I really enjoyed. Um, and uh, it wasn't too serious. So halfway through that season, you've you've caught the attention um, of Paul Roos, and he's approached you about the potential of representing the state and, and coming down for a run in the reserves for the Swans. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it came out of the blue a bit. Um, as it turned out, Dylan Dylan Roos was um, one of per, one of Paul's. Uh, children uh, was a member of the under 18 squad and um, I think playing some senior footy at the time with us and um, on the back of I don't know whether it was uh, just um, him watching or or I guess a chat to our coach at the time Reese McAllister was um, kind of offered me a, a, a I guess a, a run with the uh, the NEFL team um, and that was after that was on the back of a, I guess Sydney rep footy which is which is done which was down down in uh, Wagga Wagga um so yeah i don't know it was, it was an interesting one because um you know it was i guess that that carrot was being dangled again in front of me um you're probably a bit bitter as well oh absolutely yeah. I, I wasn't and and to be honest the first time Rizzy asked me um i said no so um i i i was as i said i was completely offered and i didn't i didn't know i didn't know if i had that in me mentally to kind of i guess get my hopes up again and and go through, um, you know, go through another experience of, of you know, getting so close but again so far. Um, and it wasn't until um, wasn't until he asked me a second time that you know I really um, that I properly considered it. And then I guess again speaking to my parents and and my coach at the time, Reese McAllister, was, what have you got to lose? And um, yeah, there was a. You know, hearing him say that was um, probably, I guess, the catalyst behind my decision to to go and do it. And I felt a genuine, um, I guess, I guess, freedom about um, my opportunity and mm-hmm. and the way um, the way I'd be able to approach it. So, you know, I guess I kind of really attacked it as being a a, a last final opportunity, but one that um, you know, in which I've got nothing to lose because I was. I was back at Sydney. I was enjoying living back at home, and I was, um, you know, I was content with life and and the direction I was heading. Well, it sounds like it's a bit of a light bulb moment that one, because from there, your footy's become a lot more serious, and you've you've been selected in the rookie draft by the Swans. Um, was that a surprise? Um, well, um, the, the only reason it wasn't a, it was a surprise to be, I guess, invited to to train because I've seen um, I, I know that the Swans do have a number of top-ups um, or players from now it's the the uh, the NDS which is the the NEFL development squad and um, and that not that not not necessarily um, correlate into getting a I guess even being invited to train or, or a spot on the rookie list um, mm. So again, it was a little bit of a surprise to um, get invited on the back of that, but again, something that something that I was, uh, um, you know, thought was definitely worth pursuing after having a, a really good think about um, where my opportunity lay and 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 what it meant for me and what what the potential could be, which was, I guess, playing and. Um, 
and being listed by the team I grew up supporting. So, um, well, that plane came around pretty quick because you've debuted against the Giants, 2013. Do you remember getting picked and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, I do. Um, I remember it very well. Um, as I was saying a bit earlier um, in our conversations earlier, the the whole experience was. Um, Felt like it went like uh, went by in the blink of an eye. From you know, I guess getting that first game in the knee fall to uh, being invited to train, then rookie listed, and then you know, um, eventually um, being selected in the in the round one team, and not only a round one team, but the round one team of the uh, reigning premiers. So um, it was um, there was a lot to I guess. Um, digest in that period of time but it just felt like um, I was able to implement a lot of things that I'd learnt during my time in Melbourne into my football and my life that held me in really good stead and that was you know not to take things too seriously and I guess revert I'm quite a relaxed person Um, I was quite a relaxed person before I'd I'd moved to Melbourne and just getting back to that and and uh, just getting back to my um, to being the person I knew I was yeah. um, and not taking things too seriously. Um, um, yeah, and it, it held me in really good stead for that, that first part of my career. And um, I'll never forget Horse calling me in and, um, you know, the I think it was the Tuesday before round one against the Giants and and telling me I'd make, uh, I'd be making my debut that weekend. And Unreal. I kind of... Um, him and both him and Jad McVeigh were in the room in his office at the time, and I kind of that's woogie for those. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and I kind of um, I kind of just gave them a nod and, and walked out, and because I didn't, I, I just, just I was rattled. just, I was just yeah. so stunned. Um, I mean, I it's something I'd thought about and worked so hard for for a long period of time, but to be finally, finally getting told was just something. It was it was genuinely surreal and. Um, you know, I actually had to. I actually went back about fifteen minutes, fifteen minutes later, with um, with a couple of tears in my eyes, um, just thanking him for the opportunity. And they were just, you know, they we had a laugh, and they said they were a little bit um, rattled by my re- initial response, thinking I was a <laughs> you an, have that an, effect ar- on people, an arrogant mate. prick. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I just nodded like it's no big deal and walked out. But I was just, yeah. I was in such genuine shock that. Um, I needed to comp- compose myself and, and really take it all in for a couple of minutes um, before I could even, I guess, you know, relay some, for- some form of, um, you know, gratitude or, or um, appreciation for what had just happened. And, um, yeah, it was, um, you know, I'll never forget that moment. So if we can just kind of focus on game day a bit, you've, do you remember who you played on? Your first opponent? No, no idea. No idea. No idea. I, I remember... I remember the week was um, yeah, obviously a very unique one for me, um, and to be honest, it, it was it was quite taxing. Um, I remember getting to the game feeling feeling pretty exhausted because it was um, not only you know expecting my first game um, and trying to deal with all that and managing my own, I guess um, not anxieties but just expectations and um, excitement. Um, but I also had to manage. I think I had about. I think I asked for about fifty-five tickets for friends and family to come. Um, being a local boy, you know, I had a lot of people that um, came out of the woodwork that day. <laughs> I think there were flies around yeah. Bondi for you, mate. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so there was a lot of time and I guess energy spent into you know having all the people that I wanted to be there for my first game and and celebrating with them that um, I actually didn't I didn't actually didn't uh, that I didn't actually have that good a game I I think I had about eight touches and, and cramped at the very start of the second half so <laughs> <laughs> I got the you know it went from a from not a the first boat to cramp it, it, <laughs> it went from a dream day to uh you know, get it, receiving the red vest from the yeah. sub rule, um, but at that you know at that point in time there was um, there was absolutely no there was no raining on my parade. I was I was wrapped to uh, achieve what I had, and you know getting that first game was you know an absolute dream come true. So and and that achievement wasn't lost on me. So I wasn't in a weird way I wasn't too concerned about my performance because again I thought that you know while I'm more than likely going to be dropped next week <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to get another go and I'm going to yeah. you know I'm I'm I was confident in my ability to I guess have an impact um and and have a role going forward and 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 horse was quick to you know ease my anxieties around that um you know he said you know he was he was really good with it said it is a big week and you know he probably um, you know, made me feel a lot better moving yeah. forward. I think there's a reality though. I think when you when you play your first game, you certainly want to win, and 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 you know you don't go. Out oh no, I didn't. Care. I didn't care. And you want to play. Well, there you go. That, that was kind of my point. I think as a player in your first game, you're actually just happy to be out there. Yeah, and that's the um, reality. But mate, a couple of years later, the end of the season, you get your you've got an all Australian blazer around your neck, not around your neck, around on your shoulders. Yeah. Uh, you, you must just must just kick yourself sometimes to think that you know here you were playing social footy, drinking beers down in Bondi on Wednesday nights, and then next thing you know you're you've got an all Australian blazer on. Yeah, it's, it's incredible, and I do and I do pinch myself at times because it is um, you know something I'm incredibly proud of, and um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly thankful for you know I've had all the support that I've had and um, been able to I think most importantly is is put in the hard yards despite you know um, when it seemed like there was little or, or little to no hope so um, it was a great I was very lucky that I was um, uh, I learnt very on in my career that hard work does pay off mm. um, and I think that's you know one of the most important lessons I try and teach our younger kids is that there's no substitute for genuinely hard work and um you know, I think that has held me in really good stead for the for the next part of my career. Biggest career highlight thus far could Four. be a moment, or could be could be a game, or Four. or anything. Um, Junior days, career highlight. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a I guess I won I won the grand final in 2012 the same year the swans did for my local team and that was um that was i guess footy in its purest sense in terms of playing with your mates that you'd grown up with um you know not taking working incredibly hard um you know on the track but then you know having a good time off it and it just feels like that's what grassroots footy is all about and that's what you play footy for is that genuine passion and excitement and I feel like I had that back um, but I've played in a lot of um, other really special games um, and whether that be 
um, you know, I feel incredibly incredibly privileged to play to play alongside. I guess Kieran Jack in his two hundredth game when he when things weren't going too well for him. That was unreal. I'll off, play that game. You know, down at Geelong, um, I've played in played in a couple of grand finals, and while I haven't gone our way, it's um, it's definitely an achievement getting there. And yep. you know, having done having. Um, what about your pickers career low lot? Oh yeah, it's a tough. My biggest career low light is um, I really struggled with the uh, <laughs> with all the goodsy stuff that happened. Um, yeah. Just from a I guess community point of view and and what was happening in the AFL, I, I, it really didn't sit well with me. Um, I'll never forget the time that he took off and the the game that we had against Adelaide and um, just the response that the boys put on that day for Goodsy. There was a there was a cheer that went around at the seven-minute mark of the third quarter. Um, that was one of the most special games I've ever been a part of. Um, and, yeah, that it's, look, you said low light, but I think that's the lowest in terms of where, where the game's been in, in recent memory. But also it was the celebration of what he's done for both our club, but not only our club, but the game in general and, you know, our society and... Uh, while that was a low light experiencing that, I felt like that bonded us to uh, uh, strengthened our bonds together and um, really made me appreciate the uh, I guess the the people side of football and and what you know and what it means to communities. Hundred percent. So I want to talk a little bit about off field here, mate. You've I'd say out of the group, you know, there's the I don't know how I'm going to put this, but it's probably a theme throughout the AFL industry and then the AFL players that everyone always in the off season they like to do the you know the oh, I go over to LA or New York and I go to the all the American sports and things like that or they do the the couple thing and they go to Paris and and drop the knee or London and Italy and all those things but could you just maybe just just in one word answers just rattle off a handful of countries that you've been to <laughs> Because um, your travelling experience, I'd say, would be a lot different to the um, the traditional, probably AFL norm. That we uh, see. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, well, I guess I'll start rattling. I've, I've been to, you know, I've done, I've, I've done America. You had done America, a, but a I will say, I'm going to touch that in a sec because you did that a little bit differently. <laughs> I'll say, so don't go on down that. Well, path. So most recently, I did, I did the Middle East, where I went yep. to. Obviously, we had a, we had a club. Uh, we had a club promotional, I guess, commitment in Qatar, and yep. then from there I went on into uh, Jordan, um, Israel, and then I even spent some time in uh, Saudi Arabia, which mm-hmm. was uh, very interesting, yep. um, to say the least. <laughs> Did you go to Jordan as well? Did you go to Jordan? and Jordan? Yeah, Jordan, sorry, yeah. Jordan. Did I mention Jordan? Yeah, you might have mentioned. mentioned it. Yep. Fair um, I'm, I'm not listening. Yeah. <laughs> So that was my most recent trip, and then before that, as I said, I've done I've done America a couple of times, uh, road trips, um, and you know I've I've also done a <laughs> a solo road trip across um, Eastern Europe, um, Eastern Europe being Estonia, Finland, Latvia, Lithuania. Because um, my research tells me that I reckon you went to Estonia because your grandparents. Is that true? They migrated from Estonia to Australia. They did. Yes, yep. they did. So, so is that the reason you went there? That is, yeah, that's yeah. the reason. I've got an Estonian passport. I'm an Estonian you citizen. Really? Yeah, true well, there story. You go. I'm it, definitely, it definitely helps um, traveling with an EU passport. 
Um, both me and my brother went over there and, and we had a great time. That was actually at the end of my first season, so the end of 2013. Do you have family um, there? No, we don't have any family there, no. no. Um, but we have a lot of family friends that we, um, you know, that we that we caught up with and I guess there was quite a, there was a very obvious barrier being the language there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was great to experience um experience being being there mm-hmm. um, I know I know my grandparents were very passionate about where they came from and um, it was just a it was a great glimpse into you know what they were always talking about and what they've I guess stilled, instilled in us just tell us a quick little story mate you've you've caught in a little bit of global conflict in the off season and um, pretty high stress I reckon <laughs> I, I remember hearing what was going on with you overseas and I was worried about you as a mate you know I wouldn't have my first podcast guest, so I was panicking. Um, <laughs> so, mate, you, you caught in a bit of battle, may I say? Yeah. So, oh, look. Yeah. So, look. Long story short, I was in um, I was in Tel Aviv in Israel. Um, I was with my brother and my sister. They'd taken off, um, and I was left to spend, you know, what was going to be the next. Um, Did they flee or? <laughs> yeah. No. 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 This is this is before this is before that. Um, yeah. They. Um, they left, and then I was I was going to spend the next week in Tel Aviv, and then go check out other places in Israel that I'd uh, that I'd that I'd bookmarked, that being like a Nazareth and uh, Bethlehem and stuff. But I guess over that that first night they left, um, you know, I uh, I got I got news that um, um, that the so there's obviously all that that tr- that's. Uh, the, the the stuff going on down at the Gaza Strip, so Hamas, which are the the uh, terrorist group, for lack of a better term, that are yep. kind of um, running things over there. Yeah, so they've launched, I think it was um, 130 missiles overnight into Israel, and that was on the back of a um, a covert operation that the uh, defense minister of Is- Israel had botched, in which you know a number of the Hamas terrorists had been killed. <laughs> It's funny how it's funny how much you learn when you're over there, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> researching it because well, mate, it, you, it directly yeah. uh, um, yeah. impacts you. So well, when um, you're trying to survive, mate, you'll uh, you're taking as much information as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, um, it's a it was an interesting spot as well because um, I'm not sure if you know the, the, the geography is that Tel Aviv's on the coast. The, yeah, so Tel Aviv's on the coast, and then I guess over into the it kind of wraps around. Like a J, like a J, the letter J, and um, you know, towards the bottom of that J is where the Gaza Strip is. So mm-hmm. it's only about it's only about fifty kilometers away. So you can see, um, you technically can see the sky above it at night, okay, and during the day. You can't while well, you can't see the ground. You can see the sky above it. And walking out, kind of, you know, I was I was I was a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. And and walking out, I was staying close to the beach, and then you know, hearing. There was a there was, <laughs> um, you know, hearing I guess that they were that Israel there was potential for a, a bit of you know civil action to go on or or war. Um, so what did you do? Did you contact? Who did you contact? Well, did you so speak to? yeah, so well, I was I was quite rattled. I'm not going to lie, but the, the funny thing was that none of the um, none of the locals seemed to be rattled at all by it, and you know, which which is which was quite. Um, it was I don't know what comforting the word. a little bit no no not well comforting a little bit but it yeah comforting but also um, no one cared about that kind of thing maybe. yeah it was quite it was quite a f- confronting in terms that um, I guess just from a um, from a humanity sense of view is that these guys have been normalised by that sort of 
that sort of stuff. But like the local, they were, yeah. they weren't too worried about what was happening because um, I don't know, I don't know why because they've grown up yeah. with it, and you know they were they were used to seeing people with, you know, like heavily armed, um, a military presence at, at, at shopping centres and stuff like that, yeah. that 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 you take for granted over here doesn't doesn't you know isn't present. Um, so. So walking along the beach, you know, just thinking, you know, what's, you know, what am I doing? So anyway, so then the next morning I called the the Australian Embassy and um, just just asked them. I was like, look, um, you know, obviously I've heard I've heard what's going on at the moment. Um, you should have called horse, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> no, there's no way I was calling horse. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I called them up and I, mate, I pretty much just said like, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm meant to be staying here for the next week, but I, you know, I'm, I am a little bit rattled. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what you know? What do you suggest? And they just said, "Look, we don't want to. You know, we've been t- we've been told not to. Um, not to. We don't want to cause panic or anything. But you know, if you if you can get out, there's, you know, it might be worth might be worth doing so. Um, because you never know. Um, and and yeah, you got out. <laughs> yeah, I got out. Well, I ended up leaving. I ended up uh, spending a, a few extra days in Jordan, um, mm. which was which was enjoyable. Um. You know, and something I, you know, so I, I was happy to spend more time there. But it just, it, I'll tell you what, it makes you really appreciate uh, what we have here. And because um, I remember actually um, when I heard that you were over there during that, and I was actually having a, having breakfast with with Macker at the time, and we were just saying, mate, just what's he doing? Just get <laughs> home. Like he doesn't have to be over there. But right, so, mate, your spare time, you've self-proclaimed mayor of Bondi Beach <laughs> that's um, not true that but it'd be fair true. to say you, that that's where we would find you down there yeah well I it's live beautiful, there yeah well, it's, a beautiful, well, it's a beautiful so part of the world yeah. you know but I live there um, and I'm lucky enough to get the invite down there when you <laughs> when you give me a shout out to go to the, the Char Rotisserie or Gertrude and Alice for, for a tea and a vegan slice um, what are you doing in your spare time mate I know you like the waves no mate well you know it's it's um it's good to be. It's good being close to the beach. I do spend a lot of time at the beach, and um, I guess that's that's my way of unwinding. Is you know not not only surfing, but just just heading down there and spending some time. I guess just be by myself in the water or on the sand, and um, you know it's um, uh, it's very. It's I'm also pretty uh, lucky that I obviously have my support network, and I grew up in Sydney, yeah. so I, I spend a lot of my time catching up with with old friends and I guess family. Um, you know, um, probably kinds of, kinds of, uh, kind of keeps me uh, grounded and um, make, helps me stop thinking about footy when, especially during the year where it can um, it can get pretty stressful at times. So, um, yeah. how would you say Bondi Beach compares to Williamstown, Port Phillip Bay? <laughs> it, do- oh, it doesn't compare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough then. Um, you're studying, mate. You're at university. Yes. You, know, you um, you did one course, and then you're moved into more of a. Yes, yeah, so I'm doing, doing a master's of business. I'm moment. doing no, that's no, sorry, not. Uh, I'm doing post grad of uh, commerce. Yes, with yep. the intention of doing um, going into masters in the next you know couple of years. But um, just taking baby steps at the moment. How do you find that, mate? Balancing footy and writing essays at night. Mate, I don't find it too bad, to be honest. I actually, you know, let's be honest, we only do one subject a semester, so it's not what I'd call strenuous, but it's, yeah. it's good to, I guess, keep the brain active. And um, to be honest, I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know why I even chose it. 
but I just feel like I need to, um, I guess, uh, keep stuff off field ticking, ticking over while mm-hmm. while I have the chance, and um, you know while um, while I'm still playing footy, yeah, to keep using my brain and um, I guess putting things in place for for life post footy. That's a good topic, I reckon. Like life post footy, and it kind of goes into my next question. To be honest, like, do you have a vision of yourself? Of what you'll be doing post footy, tough question. But yeah, no, it's, mate. It, to be honest, I really, I really don't know. Um, but I really enjoy, I really enjoy not knowing. Yeah. Um, um, There'd be more travel for you. I yeah. There, well, I definitely, you know, I definitely have travel plans, and I guess, <laughs> I guess the travel thing comes on the back of, um, you know, that first three years I spent down in Melbourne, having missed out on a lot of, you know, obviously post school year. You go travelling with your mates in between uni holidays and and you know at, yeah. at, uh, you know during the year um, I missed out on a lot of that so I feel like I've got a lot of catching up to do um, but yeah as as for life after footy I I have a I have a real um, I don't know footy clubs are really special in the fact that you get exposed to a lot of different I guess industries and and people you meet through sponsors and I guess even members. Um, other players, their families, and I guess at the moment it's just a matter of, um, I guess, um, I guess tapping into um, to bits of knowledge or or areas that kind of um, spark an interest and and get to get to know as much of I guess not only the club but the business that is the Swans and as well as sponsors and stuff as I can because I have a real I guess thirst for that's that side of things. Just find I'm really interested in the way I guess they all operate um, mm. in their own separate ways. Um, whether that whether I work in in that field or not, I'm not sure. But um, I, I love learning things and I love finding out new things about people, business, um, the way things are the way things are done and and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's important, mate. Because I think you know when you when you're out in the field and, and you're in the grind of training you generally feel like sometimes the world revolves around you in footy so um but mate i'm going to start a tradition on this um on this podcast with uh, every guest and you're the the first guest i'm going to start it with so mate we're going to play a bit of a game and the name of the game i'm just going to get my phone up because i've got it written here the name of the game is ham or no ham (laughs) (laughs) so basically um for those of you out there that need that don't know what ham is dane you can help me with this to be called a ham or someone saying that's ham it's probably means um stretching the truth it's not true um you're you're kind of hamming it up you're um Help me out here, Dane. No, mate, this is your segment. No, but yeah, but you're. I reckon you were responsible for actually bringing the word ham. No, well, no, not into, at all. I um, think it was Dan Hanbury. Oh, yes, the traditional ham, the actual ham himself. Um, anyway, you get the gist of it. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and they are about you. And I want so they could be rumours. So I want you to tell me. So they're all. So you're saying they're all rumours? <laughs> no, no. So it's ham or no ham. All right. Is it true? Is it ham? Pardon? Is it ham? I'll, let me finish the question, and then you can tell me if it's ham or it's no ham. Pretty self-explanatory. Are you ready? Dane Rampey, 
Is it true you were sniffing around Sydney for a a new suit, contacting people, brands, um, certain fashion styles because you were too cheap to buy a new one? No, ham that- or no ham? <laughs> no, there's only one. We can't. There's no explanation here. It's ham or no ham. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's asking a manager for help RE a suit. Is that is that sourcing out special people in the industry? So, everyone, that is no hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh. My is manager stitched me up. <laughs> right. What's he there for? The, um, what am I paying him the podcast, for? The podcast is everywhere, mate. Yeah. So, you can't go anywhere. Is it true that you wore your club suit to a wedding? Ham or no ham? That's ham. That's not true. <laughs> you sure? Oh, 100%. All right, that's um, that's a ham. Um, I'll do my research on that. Traveling overseas, is it true? Instead of a suitcase, you just put your clothes in a sheet and taped it up, <laughs> like Blinky Bill, <laughs> without the stick. Is yeah, that no. Rampy ham or no ham? No, that's ham. It's ham. Yeah, well, there was no sheet. It was a. Well, uh, no, okay, let's clarify this. It's fair to say that there was, it was no like a rucksack. Yeah, but it, it wasn't a suitcase. That no, wasn't you, a suitcase. No, but do you well, have a suitcase? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it you, a, it was a backpack. It was like one they use in like um, the army or something. Just one of those green kind of mesh things. Yeah, but you taped it to the top. No, the lady at the at the at the, at the service. So I had no. It. So I had no zipper. <laughs> it had no zipper. It was open. So you had to travel overseas <laughs> in a bag with no zipper, so your clothes and things just hanging out. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't that open. But well, <laughs> I reckon that's no ham. Um, this is an interesting one. Um, is it true before a game you you constantly lick your fingers for a superstition? No, that's Rob Spurs gave me that one. He reckons you would lick, you would always lick your fingers. Lick my fingers. Yeah, before no, you run out in the ground. That's mate. You need to do your research. That's, well, no, no, no. But this is part of the game. It's ham or no oh, ham. So that's ham. That's ham. All right, fair enough. Um, and this has come from a couple of players, um, and I reckon it's pretty important. Are you getting referral commission from Bondi Icebergs trying to sign blokes up? No, that's ham. That's ham? Yeah. Okay, Dan Menzel's begs to differ. Um, you guy from the club. And last question, Dan Rampey, ham or no ham? On a trip overseas, road tripping around the United States, is it true that instead of a shower, you jump the fence of uh, someone's swimming pool Backyard. Back, backyard, sorry. You jumped into someone's backyard and bathed in their swimming pool. <laughs> ham no, or no ham? So that, that's no ham, but that's... <laughs> 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 oh, you love that, don't you? That's the best story. Yeah. Well, no, I, mean, so, I knew the answer too, but sorry? I, just I knew the answer. But Absolutely did. No, no. Well, the reason... Sorry, just before everyone thinks I shower in pools, um, the only reason <laughs> was... That the only <laughs> we, uh, we have a constant smell of chlorine yeah. at the club, so... <laughs> no, no, the, uh, the, the story behind that was our, our RV, um, the sewerage system broke and um, we were pretty much able, unable to use any, any water. We weren't able to flush the toilet, so we had to get creative. I think, we were, um, I think we were in southern Utah and there's not much going on out there. It's just uh, pretty much red dirt and a couple of, um, a couple of um, I guess, I guess big long roads with some pretty incredible monuments there but other than that there's not much going on we we came past one of the few houses in town and um 
Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, Seize the moment. That's no ham. But, um, mate, on that note, Dane, um, mate, I really appreciate your time, not only coming on the podcast, mate, but um, I'm super thrilled for you that you're now one of the one of three co-captains of the Sydney Swans Footy Club. You're, it's a great story of resilience um, for anyone wanting to go after a dream. Um, and thanks for being so open, open and honest, mate. And um, it was hard, mate. But I'm doing. I'm, I know you're going with this new direction, and I hope I, um, you know, I hope I did it justice. Yeah, I appreciate that. And um, you just got to give us a give us a shout out on the gram if you can, mate. All your um, all your followers, that'd be fantastic. But mate, once again, thanks for your time, and thank you for being. No worries, mate. So thanks for having me. Thanks, chief.